Howdy, pilgrims. Before we get into this week's dose, we have a favor to ask of you. We work hard every week to bring you the latest updates on the most innovative startups in the game, in addition to sharing the stories of incredible founders and investors. It would mean the world to us if you followed VenturePill on all social medias. You can find us at, at @VenturePill on every platform. Please also keep engaging with us. Jump in on the conversation and share the posts and episodes with your networks. Help get your friends into venture. We can't thank y'all enough for the continued support and helping us build this awesome community of pilgrims. And now for this week's dose. On this week's dose, we have Michael Fanfant, general partner at Runa Capital, a global VC firm built by serial entrepreneurs that invests in early stage software startups around the world. Oh baby, that is a tongue twister. After attending Stanford University, Michael began his career at Capital One, where he eventually got the inspiration for his startup, Octane Lending. And in 2014, Michael and his co-founders started building Octane, a marketplace to make financing power sports fast and easy. Eventually, they realized that they themselves needed to become the lender, and that's where things really took off. Having led Octane as COO for several years, Michael soon transitioned into what he saw as a long-term career as a VC investor, where he could leverage his experience as a founder to help other founders in their journeys. And now Michael is GP at Runa Capital, where he focuses on B2B software as a service, specifically within regulated industries in the United States. In the interview, you'll hear about Michael's entrepreneurial journey, what he looks for in potential investments, a couple of notable portfolio companies, and some great advice for the pilgrims looking to break into venture. It was an honor to have Michael on the pill, and with that, we hope you enjoy our conversation with him. This is Venture Pill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right, we welcome on Michael Fanfant, uh, general partner from Runa Capital. Uh, thanks for coming on the show, Michael. How's it going? Doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure to have you on. Um, we we always like to start off our interviews with just the general entrepreneurial journey. Did you always know that you were going to become an entrepreneur uh, of a of a successful startup and then to become a VC investor? Yeah, I, I definitely didn't know that I always wanted to be a, a VC or an entrepreneur. It's not something that I had planned from childhood or anything. Uh, it's you know a little bit fortuitous how you, how you end up in venture. There's no path that's the same for any anyone at almost any firm. But for for me, the journey, uh, what I did know as a kid or in college is that I really wanted to do business. I liked that as a kind of a concept, right? And uh, what that meant, I'm not sure I really knew or understood, but. Uh, <laughs> you know, went down this path kind of towards business, whether it was undergraduate in college, went to investment banking for a summer and, and ultimately 
ended up in in the corporate world and from there uh really we we discovered a problem that we thought was really interesting my co-founder jason and i and and kind of kept diving down this path of exploring that idea and deciding to start a company and and after that ultimately you know realized what i love doing is that entrepreneurial journey helping founders go down that same journey it's uh, the same rush of kind of excitement and joy for me. So, so that's how I ended up in in venture. But definitely didn't didn't know that uh, early on in my career that this is where I'd end up being. Awesome, thank you, thank you for sharing that story, Michael. And as you mentioned, it's always it's always great to hear about the different paths and journeys that different founders and investors go through. It's always unique, and it's always great to hear. I'm curious if there was a specific moment along the way that you knew Octane Lending was worth going all in on, pivoting and shifting all your focus towards it? Yeah, I. it's hard to pinpoint kind of one idea or one moment where we decided this is it. Um, I think the journey of starting a, a company for us, and, and maybe it's different for, for others, for us, we were exploring a couple different ideas, right? Things that we thought were promising uh, and as you continue down that discovery process, whether it's interviewing people in the industry, interviewing customers, you know, prototyping or quick prototyping your solution, uh, it became pretty clear that from an idea standpoint, Octane uh, was the right problem. Uh, and, and we can talk a little bit more about this. We didn't necessarily have the right solution when we started the company, mm-hmm. um, but what we did ultimately get right was that problem uh, looking back now. So once we had looked at enough problems to decide this is one that seems like really big, really valuable, and we can fix, uh, we decided that we should, yeah, leave our, our full-time jobs in, in corporate America and uh, apply to incubators and start actually trying to build uh, a startup. So when you were applying to those incubators, um, I guess, did you and your co-founder, Jason, did you have the technical background? Because a lot of people may have, you know, the business acumen and, you know, they may have to find a technical co-founder or just dive in and learn, you know, how to build something from scratch or hire somebody. How did that go down and how yeah. did those initial months or first year go? Yeah. So for us, Jason and I are both not not technical. Um, we had a, a third co-founder, um, Daniel, who, you know, kind of crossed the bridge between business and uh, being more technical. So he was the one that was actually building our products, uh, helping to build those first prototypes and in that incubator. And this is a, you know, it's a common problem, as you said, Sam, right? Lots of uh, people don't necessarily have the technical background and uh, I think I'm a huge proponent of this rapid prototyping that you can do, right? Our our first product had a lot of manual labor or spreadsheets on the back end that, uh, yeah. you know, made the actual development part as, as simple as possible uh, so that we could kind of try to quickly learn and, and iterate there. But uh, it is, it's a common problem that everybody's trying to, to solve uh, when they're starting out. Yeah, that closely echoes something we've covered in a recent interview, which is 
sometimes you have to accept that you're not going to start with the perfect solution. You just have to put pen to paper, get going. And over time, you continue to iterate, you get a feel for the market, what the actual customers might be looking for, and then you adapt. Um, so I'm curious, you mentioned a couple already, but what were some of the early challenges and successes that you experienced with Octane? Yeah, I, I think the early, like the biggest early challenge in the first couple years um, that I that I mentioned was that we didn't have the right solution. We initially went out to, so we were initially went out to create a marketplace uh, that made it really easy for motorcycle dealerships to apply to multiple lenders. We wanted to save them time, give them more uh, loan offers for their customers, ultimately better for the consumer so they could get the best offer possible, better for the dealer so they maximize the chances of, of approving a customer and allowing them to kind of buy a unit. Uh, and along the way, we realized that we just couldn't fully control that process with the partners we had. And we ended up deciding we needed to be a lender ourselves and, and actually provide that financing. We could make it fully digital. We could create our own UI, UX, the own interface for the dealers, the consumers. We could make the credit and underwriting decisions. And that's a pretty big departure, becoming a lending financial institution from a tech enabled marketplace. Uh, so pretty, pretty big departure, ultimately, but that's where the we felt the value was and we lived through building the marketplace for a year. Uh, so we learned a lot from our customers, from uh, the dealers and, and the other partners that we'd worked with along the way. Yeah. And, and not to fast forward through all those tough years and that transition, but were you always looking to towards an exit? Was that always a goal or did you just say, Hey, we're going to see where this goes, keep building it. We're passionate about the solution. So just curious how that developed and how you transitioned eventually to your current role. Uh, yeah. So, so Octane hasn't exited, right? It's a, it's a pretty late stage business today. It's post series D will hopefully uh, get to get to the fabled exit IPO or, or acquisition in the next couple of years, but it's a pretty, large late stage business today. How, for me, how I uh, transitioned ultimately is uh, I, I was our COO. I was a jack of all trades uh, within the organization. And what I think my superpower was something that applies really well to venture is I'm very good at some of these strategic decisions, looking at the problem, understanding how, where should we go and, and kind of how do we get there? Um, but I probably, in hindsight, we didn't necessarily know at the time, I may not be the best operator. Uh, I think I was pretty good in the early days, but I wasn't necessarily one that was going to stay for 12 years, um, building the same, the same business. So that was, a, you know, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn about a lot about your companies, uh, as an entrepreneur, as a VC, um, but making the transition over to venture is some that, something that happened a little bit more organically as a founder. You know, you start advising other startups, you speak to other founders, and you just start having these conversations about what are your problems, what are their problems, and this continual kind of discovery process and enjoying those conversations are, are something that I really, really love doing even today. 
and so I think after a couple of years, I, I really just learned that this is actually a job I could really like doing, um, whether it's an angel investor or, you know, a VC, uh, and that for me was some of the kind of internal discovery process that helped me, uh, decide that actually I should go try to, to become an investor and see if that really holds true uh, and could be a, a great kind of 30 year career for myself. And so with that experience on both sides of the coin there and your perspective from your experiences in the past as an investor, what are you looking for in founders and founding teams now? Yeah, it's, it's a great question from, I, I think it's a little bit dependent on stage, right? But, uh, you know, if we're thinking about kind of a seed stage or, or series A company, I'm looking for a lot of the same things that I was looking for as a founder when we were trying to figure out what was the idea we were going to do. Like, I want to ask the same questions we asked ourselves. Like, is this market big enough? What are the possible solutions? What has been done? What hasn't been done? Uh, why haven't some of those solutions been done? What are the potential challenges and problems, right? I go through that same intellectual discovery process with startups, with founders about their ideas and solutions as we went through um, when we were trying to build Octane. And, you know, I think the big things that are most important obviously come back to team. Uh, we want to make sure that we're working with people uh, and spending time with people for the next 10 plus years, hopefully, right, right? Who are great fits for their industry, have the passion about their problem and solution that they can spend 10 years of their life doing this, uh, as well as, you know, all of the other kind of check boxes in terms of revenue and growth and capital efficiency, unit economics right. that, people always talk about. Um, but I think the lens between the lens for me of, of what makes a great uh, startup and, and what makes a great uh, startup to invest in are actually pretty similar. And, and that's kind of the, the main calculus I'm going through. Okay, so then to flip the question upside down here, as a founder, what are you mostly looking for in an investor? Yeah, uh, so I think most importantly, um, someone that you want to spend time with, right? This is someone that you should want to call up about your questions, your problems, a person you could have a true discussion with, right? You feel comfortable sharing the things that are going well, but also the things that are going horribly wrong. <laughs> uh, and you, you have to have that intellectual honesty with each other, right? Um, I, I think that's what you really want to find as a founder. Obviously, you want people who can continue to support you. You want to try to find um, people who maybe know your industry or have some area of expertise that is something you need or uh, you think can help you as you kind of grow. Um, but you know, really high on my list is, is ultimately someone that you want to spend time with as you go through the ups and downs that inevitably come with creating a, a new company. 
Yeah, it makes sense. It reminds me of something that they taught us at McCombs Business School as well. And this was more in the lens of hiring for a job. Um, so this was during recruiting season. But essentially, a big test is the interviewer is wondering if they were stuck on an airplane next to you. And let's say this is in a day and age of no phone, no headphones, anything like that. If they were stuck on a plane next to you, would, would they enjoy the three hour flight having a conversation with you? Like, can you hold a conversation? Can you continue to engage the other person for three hours and just overall have a pleasant experience? Because you're, as you mentioned, you're working so closely with the person. You want to make sure that as smart as they may be intellectually, you want to make sure that you can actually work with the person and will enjoy it. Otherwise, it's likely not going to be a great relationship. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it holds true in all, all parts of life here. Mm -hmm. business, venture capital, as, as well as your kind of day-to-day -day life. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. So invest, as, as you said, right, very heavily into B2B SaaS software, regulated industries and, and deep tech as a firm, uh, kind of half in Europe, half in the U.S. I'm mostly focused on, on the U.S. myself, but from a, a regulated, uh, regulated industry standpoint, I think this is something where I spend a lot of time and what I find fascinating about it is these industries, whether it's fintech, edtech, healthcare, uh, they're really large. They make up a large percentage right, of, of GDP in the US globally. Uh, they're often very old, right? They've been around for a long time. And I think that creates a lot of opportunities for founders or for new ideas to transform them and provide a lot of value um, to consumers or companies or, or whoever you're, you're actually serving. But um, that fundamental kind of aspect of those industries is, is something that I find, find really fascinating and get really excited about all of the different ways which innovation can improve them. Um, and on the B2B software side, find that it's something that's extremely scalable. Once you've figured out how to sell to a certain set of customers, um, love the fact, and, and I think founders, investors, right, public stock markets have, have come to really uh, admire and appreciate how you can do the same thing repeatedly for decades at a time if you're someone like Microsoft ultimately. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and there, that provides a lot of confidence to employees, founders, investors, right? The whole, your customers. Uh, so I, I think those are some of the things that are, are super exciting about those. Okay. So following up on that quick story time, a sequence of questions here, we'd love to hear about a notable pitch. If you had to pick one that you've been given, and then within that, what about it stuck out to you? And did you ultimately end up investing in that pitched startup? Yes. So a couple companies come to mind. Uh, and, and both of these, we ultimately ended up investing. And I think as, as a investor, someone on this side of the table, right? I don't know every problem. I definitely don't know every solution. And so often in looking for founders who can succinctly distill some very complicated idea or industry down 
into this is the problem, this is how we're solving it, and this is how amazing it's going, right? Over the course of of a pitch. And uh, sometimes they can do that in a conversation, right? Sometimes people are doing that with with presentations. But uh, for one of our portfolio companies, which is a company called Real Good, um, I just remember walking away being like, this problem is massive. This solution should work. It's amazing. And the founder seems like the perfect person to, to solve the problem. And for me, I don't know, after a first call, like what more can you look for? What more could you ask of, of someone to get in, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour, whatever time you have. Um, so real good is a, a, they've got two sides of the business. They've got a consumer facing app. That's a mobile app. That's basically your TV guide for all of your streaming. So you can open up the app on your phone and you know, you've created your, your profile saying you have Apple TV, Netflix, HBO max, whatever Paramount plus, and it will show you everything that's available for yourself. And they have some great technology that allows you to basically then play that on the TV from your phone. So, you know, we've all, intuitively understand that problem of like you just turned on your tv and you open up netflix and you open up amazon prime etc cetera, etc cetera, and you like scroll for a long time trying to figure out what's the right fit for you um so there's some instant kind of light bulb that clicked in my head and i was like wow we me everybody at our company you guys here, every all the listeners to the, the podcast, we, we all have done this. We've experienced this. We know it's a problem. Um, and they're in you know kind of a unique position to solve it with, with their data. And, and the secret sauce for them is that they've built up this amazing data set of what is streaming, where it is. And uh, they sell that catalog information and others in a B2B side of the business as well. So they use, you know, they really eat their own sauce. They use it to serve the, the mobile app, but also helping other companies that don't know what is streaming, want to see what is on other platforms, right? What may be popular, like they're selling that as a B2B software product, selling all that data that they've built and, and collected. And so super interesting company that's not just consumer facing, it's not just a B2B SaaS business, um, but that's an inherently pretty complex. And in a 30 minute conversation, I was able to like really understand the value prop for both sides of their business and, and see, wow, this, this is really valuable. And they could communicate that it was uh, David, the, the founder could communicate that it was really unique. And so for me, that's like an extremely memorable pitch because I just came away with like, wow, this is, this is really valuable. And I don't think that happens. Well, at least for me, that doesn't happen all the time on first conversation. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I know firsthand I've spent probably several movies length of minutes, just endlessly scrolling through Netflix, trying to figure out, especially if I'm with friends and we're all, you know, now there's several opinions in the room It. uh, Certainly an app like Real Good. That sounds awesome. And you mentioned that there was another one? Uh, yeah, second company, you know, I think the most memorable conversations with, with founders I've had have a similar like aha moment for me, right? It just clicks. 
Um, and another company that, that we invested in is a company called uh, AnyRoad that makes uh, experiential marketing kind of management uh, software. So it's a B2B product that helps you understand uh, as a consumer goods company or a company that, that has customers coming into your real retail store, like what is the actual ROI and all of that experiential marketing spend? Uh, it's you know historically been a black box. Uh, and similarly, from, from my experience at Capital One, we knew that Capital One didn't know why their experiential marketing or their branding marketing worked exactly but they did know when they did you know localized tests that it did end up driving value and and there was a positive roi and they've really created a a platform that allows other brands to understand this uh and and get data and manage it and so for for me that was a company where uh the, the founders are a pair of brothers um jonathan and daniel and they lived this problem, at, you know, very early on in their career while running experiential marketing uh, events, and you know, for Red Bull and handing out uh, Red Bull product at concerts, and and you we've all experienced something like that from from some, you know, consumer brand. But understanding that problem intimately and being able to clearly deliver that to me and you know, 20 minutes. Uh, I think this one was even a, a phone call. It wasn't like we were looking at slides. We were just uh, talking in the pre-Zoom days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, extremely memorable to to get something like that from, from a founder or founding team uh, almost immediately. We're not even scratching the surface of all the innovation that can happen in the different industries all of the different types of solutions, right? Even for the same problem that could be created. And so uh, I love seeing them from all the different founders, right? But also, you know, as you're diving deeper into one industry, it's really cool to see like three or four different companies going after the same problem, but from different angles, right? That uh, is pretty awesome as an investor to see. It sometimes can be difficult to figure out like, why do you believe one angle is better than the other or one solution is going to be be better particularly at, at early stage by maybe series d or c we tend to have a, a winner quote unquote but um as an early stage investor love seeing how people are thinking about different solutions and and how they go about building them there's almost infinite ways to tackle some of these really complex problems that we have in, in different industries. Yeah, definitely. And Michael, to wrap up the episode, we always like to ask our guests, what are what is some good advice that you'd have for the pilgrims out there, our listeners, that would love to get into venture somehow? Yeah, I'd say for people who are just getting into tech broadly, right? They think they maybe want to be an investor, a founder, right? An employee at one of these companies. Um, the, the best way to start is by showing some initiative early on, right? You guys have created a podcast. That's a great way to show and demonstrate that you're interested in the industry and startups, right? Some people write blogs. You can do 
one of these where you put in your time. You don't necessarily have to have a job to put in your time and put your thoughts out there for other people to, to read or consume. Um, that can be really helpful when we're looking to hire an analyst or an associate, right? Getting a sense of like, you're really interested in this industry and I can see that you've done like a year's worth of work on it um, for, for the ventures, for the venture standpoint. Uh, or, you know, if you have worked in marketing and you're interested in learning more about tech, like I do think getting a job at marketing at a tech firm, whether it's early or late stage is a great, or a startup, I guess, right, is a great way of learning more about the industry. For people who are wanting to break into venture specifically, um, there's no one path into venture. Like people have, you look at the GPs at all of these different funds, some of them are former investment bankers or heads of marketing or, you know, employee number four at some big, uh, what became a unicorn company. Uh, and so everybody's coming at these problems that startups are trying to solve from different angles and, and you can too, uh, but demonstrating like early on demonstrating that interest is what you actually have in your control. Uh, and the more, if you want to go work for an ed tech company, for instance, like the more you go and talk about ed tech, what's happening, what are the changes, like networking with people, the more likely they are to hire you because you can clearly point for a marketing job or sales job or operations, whatever it may be, because you can clearly point to your interest in their industry. You can talk about their competitors, why you like their product, right? And so to me, if you're trying to get into tech, the, the one thing that you can clearly demonstrate here, and tech is really receptive to that, is um, by putting some of your time into talking, sharing, publicizing your, your interest. Uh, that, that was an awesome full circle moment from the top of the interview, talking about how everyone's path into venture is always going to be a little different. Um, but I think at large, you know, it's all about throwing your hat in the ring, staying curious and, um, you know, not being afraid to put yourself out there. So appreciate the succinct advice there, Michael, and extremely valuable. Um, before we let you go, we'd love to give you the opportunity to let our listeners know of the best way to follow and connect with you as well as your team at Octane or Runa. Go ahead and plug, plug the whole team here. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can find me on Twitter at, uh, mfanfan, uh, you know, LinkedIn messaging. We, we get a lot of those, but, uh, feel free to, to send me a, a message on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to chat with, with startups and, and founders and you can find Runa at, uh, runacap.com uh look at look at the website and, and get in touch with us there yeah thank you very much it's been great chatting with you guys thanks for listening join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital and as always we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage see you next time She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little okey, okey, dokey. That's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do things. Different.